Good morning. Welcome scattered members of the Castle Hill Adventist Church family. Welcome visitors and guests to our online service today. I hope you're well. I know I am missing face-to-face -face interaction and I'm an introvert so some people might find that a surprise but I really am. I'm finding though a different sense of community knowing that we are all sort of meeting together in the way that we are watching this at the same time. Today of course is Anzac Day. We've just had a minute silence and reflection here and I'm sure some of you, perhaps many of you, were up early this morning for a dawn moment of silence and reflection. It's a day that makes us think. It's a day that makes us remember those who have died in conflict. Uh, it makes us think of lives cut short, of communities disrupted, of lives that needed to be rebuilt. It's a day that often inspires big picture reflections. With the passage of time, we gain a greater and perhaps a different perspective on war, on conflict, on enemies, and on peace. It is a day both of remembrance and resolution. The resolution to not forget, because to forget the past is to repeat it. I was in a brass band for several years, and every Anzac Day we would lead the march down the main street of our town and we would play for the wreath-laying service in the morning. I was always particularly struck by these lines from one of the hymns that was sung every year by the community. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, be thou our guide while troubles last and our eternal home. When we read the letters in the New Testament, we find the same kind of greeting at the start. And these were letters sent to scattered believers around the Greco-Roman world. And it's this greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. While this does match the standard opening of letters in that world, it reveals something of the fundamental importance to followers of Jesus of grace and peace. The grace and peace that God extends to us and that we are to extend to each other and to those around us wherever we interact. Jesus pronounced a special blessing on peacemakers. And Philippians 4 verse 7 promises the peace that passes understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we look forward in hope to the day that he comes and then he comes again to gather us together to him in the full realisation of, of his kingdom, where, as Micah 4 verse 3 puts it, he shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Grace and peace to you this Sabbath morning. Good morning, Castle Hill Church. It's so good to have you here with us on this beautiful Sabbath day. And I hope that you are comfortable and that you're together as a family. Maybe you're on your bed, maybe you're on the couch with everyone, maybe you've got a hot drink, I don't know. I'm just glad that you're with us and I'm glad that you've taken the time to sit down and invest this hour as a community and as part of this church family. Maybe you're someone tuning in for the first time or maybe you're just checking out Castle Hill and what we've got going on here. I just wanna say a big welcome to you and I wanna say thank you for joining us today. And I hope that you can get something from what we're about to talk about. Now, today I'm going to be speaking about 
the giving of life. The giving of life. I think about some of those movies um, that have moved me in my life. Narnia, it's a classic. You know, all the kids probably know this one. If any of you kids are there, you know this movie. It's a good one. Um, The Lord of the Rings, you know, there's these massive battles and there's this quest that's so risky. You know, you have to give your life um, and risk your life to, to finish the important quest. We've got Braveheart, you know, there's Gladiator, intense movies. Even the sound of that, that song we heard Damien playing, The Last Post on the trumpet, they speak about something deep, something that resonates with us. Each of these stories, they speak to our heart. I think we're all too familiar with the fact that these stories match up with the story that we live in. We live in a story where there's pain. We live in a story where there's suffering. We're familiar with that. We live in a story where there's a battle. We fight battles daily. I mean, some of us are at home right now without any work. Some of us right now are thinking, how are we going to feed our family? Some of us are thinking, how am I going to keep my family from going insane? <laughs> and my kids, because they're so bored. You know, we, we face a battle. We face struggles. And we see these stories and we see hope. And it speaks to us and it moves us. People risking their life. You know, I think about that part when, you know, in the story of, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, when Aslan's speaking to the children and he's like telling them about the quest that they've got to go on. And he says, hey, this is dangerous. You might lose your life. <laughs> and that's a crazy message to tell to some children. But that's, there's so much truth in that. Our experience is, is riddled with risk and with unknown mysteries about the future. We don't even know what the future looks like here in Australia. We don't know what the next week will be like, what the next month, the next six months. There's something powerful about those stories. At the moment, this is a time of memorial where we think back to a story that moves us of young men, brothers, fathers, our children running out onto a battlefield, giving up their life so that we could have what we have now. It's pretty amazing. For their family, for their friends, for their country. And we're so thankful for that sacrifice. And we'll never forget them. And when we stop and we uh, contemplate what they did, when we remember their sacrifice and their lives that they gave up, it moves us. And it speaks to our heart. You know, Jesus' whole life was meant to move us. His whole life was meant to speak to us on a deep, resonant way, in a way that that sort of gets down through all the layers and hits us right down in our heart. The way that he, he carried himself, the way that he walked through his life, the way that he treated people, it's meant to move us. Jesus' life is meant, to, is meant to teach us about the heart of God. He speaks to us 
through his life. He saw people faint in heart. He saw people suffering with sickness. He saw people alone and isolated. He saw people burdened down with the stress of the, of the world. He saw the people and, he, and he, he, it says in the Bible that he saw the people and he, he felt like, hey, look, these guys are, are sheep without a shepherd. And he felt compassion for them. I mean, Jesus cares about your heart. He came up to Lazarus' sisters. He knew, he knew Lazarus was dead. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus back to life. In fact, he even kind of half told his disciples that that was going to happen. But as he came up and he saw the girls, his heart was moved because of the pain that they were feeling, because of the, the sorrow that they had of that loss. And Jesus' response wasn't to speak to them with theology. It wasn't to, to quote a Bible verse. But he just stopped and he cried with them. The shortest verse, or one of the shortest ones, Jesus wept. That's a powerful story. And it moves our heart. You know, I think about Jesus speaking to our hearts, caring for our hearts, crying with us, experiencing life with us. He understands our heart better than we do. He created us. He formed our hearts in our mother's wombs. He knit us together. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. And in Proverbs 20 verse 5, it says that the heart of man is like, a, is like deep water. Who knows what's down there, honestly? I don't even know what's down there in my heart. Like, our heart is like deep water. And Jesus knows what's down there, deeper than what we can see. You know, I remember kayaking with my brother one time and we were out in the ocean and he fell off his kayak and he's looking down into the water and he just starts to panic <laughs> and he started to, ah, started to scream and, and stress out and flapping around. I mean, there's something about that. Sometimes when we look deep down into our heart, we kind of freeze up and we don't know what to do. It's like, oh, that's just too deep. That's just, oh, that's too sensitive. Oh, that's just, I don't know how to handle that one. And we just suppress it and try and bury that, bury those things deep inside of us. But Jesus cares about what's deep down in there. He knows. The Bible says that, that we look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. King David was writing the Psalms and he says, please God, give me a new heart. A new heart. The whole point of, of Jesus' life was to reveal the heart of God, to give us hope and to heal our heart, to give us a future with him. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. They'll find pasture. You know, the thief, he only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is, you know, he's not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he runs. 
He abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks. The flock is scattered. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care at all for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And they know me. I mean, I read that and it's like, you mean, you know me, God. That's powerful. To be known by God. And I want to know him. Deep in my heart. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I've got to bring them also. And they too will hear my voice. You know, it's right there, actually. It's crazy. Sometimes we think, why would, like, does God speak? Does Jesus want to speak to our situation? Does he want to speak to our heart? He's, he says, hey, you follow me. You, you listen to me. You spend time with me. You will come to know my voice. It's something that needs to be learned because the reality is if you don't fully like, take the time to get to know the voice of Jesus, you'll hear every voice. And there's voices everywhere. There's voices competing to just tell you something, to sell you a message, to tell you who you are, to tell you about your value, to tell you about the future, to tell you about what you should be afraid of. There's so many voices out there. But Jesus says, you know, my sheep, they'll know my voice and they will listen to my voice. There'll only be one flock and one shepherd. You know, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. You know, Jesus wasn't shocked by the cross. He, was, he didn't get tricked into the cross. He doesn't get surprised by these kinds of things. He's not surprised by the situation we're in right now. You know, we're surprised, but he's not. His, his plan and his calling for your life actually isn't on pause right now. I know some of us probably feel like God has kind of, he's like, well, wait a second, let me deal with this whole problem in the world and then I'll come back and we can pick up our relationship again in a few months. That's not how it is. He knew this was coming. And as we walk in each day, his plan for your life is still exactly right in front of us. It's happening. We're learning in real time, just like Jesus' disciples. I mean, he never told them he was going to walk on the water and then they saw him and they thought he was a ghost. He never told them that he was going to raise Lazarus back to life. He never told them half of the things or more than half of the things that they experienced. They had to experience them in real time. Jesus said, No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So Jesus... He is giving us a message from God about the heart of God. When he gave up his life, when he laid it down for us, when he laid down his life for us, he was teaching us the heart of God. He was teaching us the way that God feels about us. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes will not perish. And Jesus' life wasn't just the only way that he speaks to our heart. His life, his death, his resurrection is super powerful. But he wants to speak to our heart now. 
He wants to speak to our heart in a deep way today. It's not like when he went back to heaven after the cross, that was the end of his relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And I'm so stoked about that. Psalm 27, verse 7. It's one of my favorite Psalms. King David sitting down and he's, you've probably heard a few of the lines before where he says, you know, the one thing I really desire more than anything else in this world is to, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to just gaze upon his beauty, to be in a relationship with God, to spend time with him. Halfway through the psalm, David says this, Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm, I'm coming. I want to be with you. I mean, I love that. I love that. It says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. The reality is many of us kind of, especially us guys, you know, we just love to bury all that emotional stuff. We love to just put it all away, put our hearts away. How many of us have actually tended to the need of our heart? How many of us have made our heart good soil, you know, as Jesus talks about? How many of us have tried to mute our heart or to bury it with busyness and thoughts, Facebook and anything at all, really? Eventually, it's like we can't hear. It's not like Jesus stopped speaking to us, but it feels like we can't hear. You know, I was sitting down in a Bible study this week through Zoom, which has been quite an interesting experience um, doing these Zoom Bible studies. But I was sitting down with one of our awesome youth, uh, Aaron Howie. What's up, Aaron? Good to see you. Um, we were talking about this whole thing. We we're talking about a relationship with God. And we we're talking about being able to experience that peace that Jesus talks about in a time like today. And we were talking about knowing how to hear the voice of God and how to have that intimacy with God, that connection with God, being able to pray and actually have a relationship. And I asked Aaron, what have been the times when you have felt closest to God? What have been the times when you felt that you, I guess, could hear what he was saying to you in your life? And Aaron thought about it for a minute and she said, you know, I felt the closest to God when I've been calm and when I've been peaceful when she's had that margin time, when she hasn't been rushed and stressed and trying to get everything done and trying to get the quick response from God that you're after, but just in that still peaceful time where all the distraction and the noise can go away, where the fire comes and goes, the rain comes and goes, the storm comes and goes and the still small voice of God can speak. Jesus came to speak to our heart he came to teach us about the heart of God and to speak to our heart. Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Once you have a relationship with me, you're not going to be hungering for things like you, like you once did. Matthew 26, verse 28, when Jesus was sitting with his disciples that, that last night before he went to the cross. 
He said, this is my blood. That's been poured out for you. It confirms the covenant between God and his people. And it is poured out as a sacrifice. A sacrifice to forgive the sins of many, many people. That's you and me. Right now, I'm going to invite you into my lounge room. And Sarah and I are going to lead you through communion. So go ahead, take a minute, quickly grab your your grape juice and your bread right now and have it ready. We're about to do communion together. Hey church family, it's really good to see you and we're so glad to invite you into our lounge room, into our home and we thank you for having us in your home. It's really intimate that we actually get to do this in this way. Um, You know, this is real. This is a real communion that we're about to do and this is exactly how it would have been in the early church when the disciples met together and the believers came together. It would have been lounge rooms just like this. They would have had bread that they'd made, they would have had their grape juice and they would have joined together just like we are right now. We love that we get to do this together in spite of everything and we're really blessed to be able to do that. You know, I really think that communion is such a relational thing. It's something to be done in a community. But most importantly, it's a relational thing between us and God. It's a really important moment between us and God because it's us saying to him, yes, we're going to take on board his sacrifice. We're going to take on board the blood that covers our sins and our mistakes. And we're going to make that be a part of us. And it's going to live inside of us. And I just think that's so cool. You know, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That means that Jesus is that fulfillment that we need. He's what stops us from feeling empty and not having a purpose. He is what gives us fulfillment and makes our lives so much fuller and richer. So we're really excited and looking forward to taking communion with you. And I hope that you find that moment to really connect intimately and relationally with God. That's right. Thank you, Sarah. That's, that's awesome. You know, this thing that we're doing, communion, is about God dwelling in us, mm. Him giving Himself, imparting Himself to us. Not only that, it's Him showing this is what I have done for you, or this is what I'm about to do. That's what he was saying to his disciples. I'm about to give up my life. I'm about to be broken for you so that you can be healed. I'm about to be pierced for you, for your transgression, so that you can be right with God and that we can be together and that we can have a, a celebration, the, the marriage supper with the Lamb in heaven. You know, All of this is pointing forward to that day when we feast together in the kingdom. Jesus was sitting with his disciples after they, or while they were eating and he took some bread. This is in Matthew 26. If you want to read along, Matthew 26, verse 26 down to 29. Jesus took some bread and he blessed the bread. And then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it. For this is my body. And then he took the cup. 
and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, Each of you, drink of it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. We're going to pray now. And after we pray, we're going to take these. I hope that you're ready and that you've got yours ready. Let's join together in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus, we thank you so much that you came to this earth, that you walked this world, that you felt our pains, that you empathized with us, and that you shouldered our burdens. You carried our fears and our worries and our sin. You took them to the cross and you nailed them to the cross when you were nailed to the cross and when you laid down your life for us. Jesus, with glad hearts tonight, we accept this. We accept this bread and this grape juice in remembrance of you to proclaim your death until you return. So now we take this bread, which is broken as your body was broken for us. And we take this grape juice that was poured out as blood of the new covenant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. And let's take the blood. The last verse today, verse 29, Jesus said, Mark my words. I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. That is awesome. What a beautiful picture that he's painting for us. He says, you know, this, this symbol is going to be fulfilled when I return. This blood that's going to hurt tomorrow when I go to the cross, it's going to be poured out for you so that I can redeem you, so that I can take you home so that we can have a massive celebration. Think about who's going to be there. Pray that we are all there together as a church family, mm. that we can enjoy that celebration together in his kingdom. Now that we've been able to have that bread and that grape juice together, we're going to move on to the next part of what we would normally do at communion, which would be our foot washing. So Nick and I have prepared some water um, we've prepared some towels and we're going to do that together now. We want to encourage you to do that with whoever's in your home today. Um, we want to give you the time to really consider what that means. And again, it's incredible that the King of Heaven, you know, this incredibly powerful and, and mighty God came down and washed feet and humbled himself to that point where he was willing to wash our feet and to become our servant. Jesus says many times that he came to be a servant and we're so thankful for that. We want to live our lives like that too. So I encourage you to do that now. 
we're going to go and do that together and then we'll move on to the sermon. Welcome back. It's good to have you back and I hope that you enjoyed joining us for communion today. I know it's different, but isn't it beautiful that we can do this together? Isn't it beautiful that we can still do this? And you know, it counts. When the disciples met together in the early days, they, they didn't have, you know, a building like we have. They were in someone's lounge room and they were breaking bread and, and taking wine just like we did today. So I'm glad that you joined us for that. Now, we've been talking about our heart. Or we've been talking about the way that Jesus's life moves our heart and about the way that Jesus's whole purpose was to come here and speak to our heart and to move us, to teach us about the heart of God. We now turn to something a little different, our lives. As a Christian, Jesus calls us to to live a different life. It's a beautiful life, but it's different. Things change when you give your life to God. He understands that you, you love being with your family. He understands that you just love that hobby that you're into or whatever. But he has a call for you now. He has a purpose for you, a path for you to walk on. And what it looks like is us pouring ourselves out, us giving up our lives. There's a beautiful verse. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, if you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness. I mean, a lot of people today feel like this is a dark time. We need light. And your gloom will be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. That sounds beautiful. And it starts with that one thing. If we pour out our lives, if we give up our lives, if we pour ourselves out for people who are afraid, for people who are struggling, for people who are are hungry, then God is just going to just inject life into us. He's just going to give us more and more and then we'll be able to give more and more. But if we take it all for ourselves, we're missing the point. It takes intentionality for us to do this. We have to step forward and say, Yes, I'll raise my hand. Yes, I want to walk in this relationship with you, God. I want you to live in my heart. I want to have a heart like your heart. I want, I want, to, I want to live like you lived because wherever you went, you gave people hope. Wherever you went, you changed people's lives for the better. I want to walk in that too. I don't want to walk in the way that everyone else walks here on this world, but I want to walk in the way that you walked, God. There's a song someone wrote. That's it's beautiful. It was uh, one of the Hillsong songs and it's called So Will I. Just, this is just the last chorus. I love these lyrics. It says, and as you speak, 
a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Man, that's powerful. I feel that when I read it because it speaks to the biggest story, the story that we're in. You know, every, all the shows that we watch and everything, they like to sort of bring our attention down to this linear life where it's like, oh, my life is just about what I've got right in front of me. But God calls us to look up and to see more, to see what's really going on here, to see that we've been called to such a, an amazing purpose in our lives, to give up our lives, to pour out our lives for other people. You know, it takes intentionality. It takes wisdom. The end of that verse in Proverbs, it says that the heart of man is like a deep water. And it says, and one with understanding will draw it out. That takes time. But for us to to go deep with someone and to pour out our lives in a deep way with someone, it takes time. To be with people in their pain, to help lift them out and to dig deep down into that water in someone's life and and help them to, to look up and see the hope that we have. It's the call that we've been given by God. The invitation. Maybe you haven't opened your heart before. Maybe you haven't given God a chance to speak into those deep, deep places in your heart. Today's an opportunity for you to open up. We're going to put up a little thing here now in the comments and you can go ahead and press, I raise my hand. If you want to take that step today, take that step of faith and give God the opportunity to speak into those deep places of your heart. Go ahead and press that button right now. Raise your hand while you press it. Just bang, hit the button. And if you want to go further with this and you feel like I need actually some support, I actually, I'm kind of stressed right now. I actually need help or I just need prayer or I just want to talk about this with someone. Then there's going to come up a second button that says, I need prayer. Click that button. Even if you feel like it's something else that you really want to say, just click the button And one of our pastoral team, myself, one of us will be here and we'll be able to respond to you in a private conversation. So go ahead and click that if you want to talk about this decision that you're making or if you just want to, if you need prayer, if you need help, go ahead and click that button right now and we're ready to respond. Maybe you're someone who's already made that decision in your life. Maybe you're someone who said, yes, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. But somewhere along the way in the busyness of life, you forgot the call. Somewhere along the way in the busyness of life, you, you, you stepped aside from the call to give your life for people, to give your life, to pour out your life and to be, to be filled with life by God. If you're in that position, go ahead and click the same button, raise your hand. You know, I know it doesn't say the exact right words, but click it anyway and say, yes, I want that. I want to be the person who steps forward and says, yes, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to give up my life. I'm ready to step up to the plate. I'm ready to pour out my life just like you did. And if you're willing to gladly go to surrender, even though I feel like I'm stumbling and 
tripping and wrestling towards it, so will I. I'll come with you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to come together. I want to thank you for each person sitting in their lounge room, sitting at their computer table right now. I really want to thank you, especially for those people who have gone ahead and clicked that button today and said, yes, I want to make a decision for you, Jesus. For those people right now, I ask that you will bless them. I ask that you reveal yourself to them, God, that you will speak to their heart, that they will come to know your voice so that they can follow you as the good shepherd and that they can walk with you every day for the rest of their lives. I know that you promised to walk with us and that you want to be with us in a relationship, just like in Revelation 3.20. You're knocking at the door, just waiting for us to open so you can come in, sit down with us, share a meal and be close and be in a relationship. So we give ourselves to you today, God. We thank you for this Sabbath day. We thank you for this country that we live in and for all of those serving on the front line right now. We thank you for our nurses. We think of them as they, as they go into work each day. We thank you for our doctors. We thank you for all of those people who are still holding up jobs right now. For those who are home, Lord, I ask that you will bless them and give them peace in this time to know that they will always have you walking beside them and that you said, if we seek your kingdom first, that all these things, food, clothes, everything else will be added to us. God, we thank you so much for the way that you promised to be with us every day for the rest of our lives. We look forward to seeing you in your kingdom. We look forward to being with you on that day when you drink that fruit of the vine with us and celebrate at the wedding supper of the Lamb. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. It's been awesome to spend this time with you and I hope that you have an amazing Sabbath day.